You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome podcast. All right, not done the not done the uh, road trip officially yet, but. For convenience sake, we're recording with one game left. Okay. the uh, You start off with a loss to Chicago. Everybody's freaking out. You follow it up with another loss to St. Louis. Everybody's still freaking out. You'd be sure you get two points out of those two games. And then you follow it up with two wins. This, the second game against St. Louis, a little bit more convincing than last night. If they could have closed it out, it would have been more convincing against the Stars. But we all knew that wasn't going to happen. Thoughts on the on the four game road, four games of the road trip so far? I mean, it seems like it's kind of the same story that we've been, you know, reading all or watching all year. We're not quite sure. We're waiting for them to dig their heels in. Yeah. you know what I mean. We're waiting them to get that traction. We're waiting for them to start building upon what they've built on. And to kind of get a momentum going, but it seems like maybe, maybe we're gonna do that now. But you don't know. Like it's we could we could get absolute shit canned against Nashville, and no one would be surprised. Yeah, I mean, you always have to take a bit of a zoomed out perspective, and a good thing to do is kind of compare where they're at this year to where they're at last year as this goes along. And at this time last year, they had just hit, they were just hitting their their ten game winning streak, doing what. You know, you said actually making making a move up the standings, getting some traction. I mean, the good thing up until this point is that, you know, they it has been pretty frustrating to watch, but they haven't dug themselves into a hole. They've been able to stay above water. So, I don't know. I kind of feel like this is kind of what it's going to be like the rest of the season, where it is going to be a freaking... They're going to be clawing for every single point they get, it appears. Well, unless you so, go on that rule, unless you go on that rule. Yeah, okay. even if even if you get on like what a six, you don't have to go. You don't have to win ten straight. How, yeah, or just three games here, one loss, another three games, four games. Like Again, I mean, I guess you could argue the last ten hat like they were, what six, two and two in their last ten. True. Like that's and they got points of, of what sixteen in their, of their last twenty games or some shit. Yeah. So. That's but a bit of a is, run, but you need to go on like a nice little run here of like yeah. five or six games where you win at least four or five of them. And I mean, the wins are one thing, but when you're yeah. when you're talking about having, you know, building traction and building your game upon what you've already built, putting another layer down, it's more so how you're playing. And I guess we have, analytically speaking, there's a bunch of categories where we're, we're awesome. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, throughout this kind of whole up and down yo-yo, can't score, keep losing in overtime, all this stuff. 
I know you do a good job of this when you're posting to Instagram and the stories and whatnot, but there's a bunch of categories where, what is it for puck possession? We're second in the league only next to Carolina. Yeah. We're one of the best. And you know, this is kind of a hallmark of Daryl's teams. We're one of the best possession teams in the league behind Carolina. I think we're similar to Carolina in a lot of ways, except they've just, you know, been able to win a lot more of their games. Just two teams that have the puck a lot, shoot the puck a lot, but don't necessarily have a ton of finishing ability. So, you know, over the long term, that's usually going to yield pretty good results. So, um, well, and I know, I mean, we touched on this last episode. There's a lot of frustration, rightfully so, because you don't know what you're going to get. You lost to Chicago. You've lost. To, you lost to Chicago. You've lost to Columbus. You've lost to Montreal twice. That's annoying. Well, I guess you do know what you get. What you're going to get. We're, it's pretty safe to assume that you're going to get a lot of shot volume every night. You're probably going to win the the possession battle. You're probably going to spend more time in the offensive zone. Hence, it's frustrating when you lose. Yeah. But you're probably going to have a tough time scoring, and your power play is probably going to stink. <laughs> so, I mean, if we know that going into the game, I guess it's easy to see why it can go either way on any, any given and night. And on any given night, Markstrom might be prone to, uh, uh, I don't want to say a meltdown, but like a stretch of shots where he forgets that he's a netminder. Some questionable goaltending. Yes. Yeah. And being on the flip side, I feel the opposite with Vladar coming in. I'm very confident when Vladar is starting that what, what I'm going to get, solid goaltending. I think right now I have more confidence in Vladar than I do Markstrom. Does Markstrom have a better, higher ceiling? Yeah, I think slightly. I mean, you're always touching on this. You send me stuff throughout the week. The, the goaltending thing is, well, you always say it's voodoo. I mean, there's some there's teams with goaltenders that – and before this season, you're like, who the fuck's that guy? And, the, you know, like... Linus Allmark, who has, like, lost one game this year. Linus Allmark? Who the fuck is that? Right? So, I mean, but it is. It's true. So then, how do you... how you, Where are you at with Markstrom currently? I mean... I don't know. It's... I think it was Noah, Noah Adler threw this out there. I'm like, that's actually not a bad idea. He's like, hear me out. Should we trade Markstrom? Roll with Ladar as number one? Make room for Dustin Wolf coming up. Well, I've heard I mean, Re- I've heard Warner talk about that a lot too. I'll be on the trade Markstrom train. I don't think they're going to trade Markstrom. I don't necessarily think they should, but no. it's an interesting. It's an interesting thought given the whole sense. Edmonton, he's been asked quite a lot. Well, the thing with Markstrom is weird because when they signed him, I was vocally probably too much against it, more than I should have been, but I was against but- it. For the um, price point, because you don't like yeah. paying for goaltenders. Exactly. And why that's kind of being fleshed out, right? Is like save percentage year to year is so variable. You have no idea, or you, you can pretty reliably tell that a goalie is going to be like, he could be good one year, bad the next year. So, you know, when Mar- they signed Markstrom to that deal, I was, I was like, I'd rather just have Cam Talbot <laughs> at like a quarter of the price. Got, got a lot of backlash for that. Um, but it's kind of been the case where he wasn't very good the first year. He was awesome last year. He hasn't been good this year. But I mean... Was absolutely atrocious in the Edmonton series. Correct. But the other part of it is like, it's kind of hard to... I don't know if it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater type situation. It's like, you can't ignore how good he was last year. And even in round one last year, right? It's like, we've seen him... And even in Vancouver that one year where he was really good in the playoffs when they beat um, before he got hurt obviously 
But you have seen him be an elite level goalie in this league. And when you have that, that's a, that can be such a, you know, can be such a difference maker. So I don't know. It's hard for me to ignore how good he was last year and how good he was in that playoff series against Dallas last year. Um, I know Ottinger gets all the credit, but you go back and watch that series. There are key saves great. that Marshall made yeah. in game seven overtime, even that it's just like we would have lost if somebody else is in net. So, well, Markstrom, Markstrom was fantastic in that series, but yeah, he was overshadowed by the performance Ottinger put on. So I still have, I still have hope that he can figure it out. Um, I don't think he's this bad of a goalie. The thing is, he's always kind of, if you look at his career arc as a whole, it's like he's never really been what he was last year, which was like one of the best goalies in the league. Fesna finalist? or Yeah, Fesna finalist. Like coming, like what he almost, he was one shutout away from tying Kipper's all-time shutout record in one season. It's crazy. But he's always kind of been like a just above average goalie, I would say, in in his career. Yeah, okay. You know what's interesting though? Because we're throwing out the comparisons uh, team to team from last year to this year. The the amount of gold scored is the same, which yeah. is hard to believe. Position in the standings is the same, which is hard to believe. But the biggest metric has been defense, goals allowed. But essentially, it's like if Markstrom is even average, because he was playing above average for the first half. Of la- I mean, for the, pretty much the whole regular whole season. season, I'd say. But yeah. he was he was fucking lights out, dude. He had what? How many shutouts by the half? Yeah, he had like eight or nine by half, maybe even he was, ten. He came out of the gates in terms of leading the goaltenders in the league, and he stayed on pace. Who won last year? The Vesna Vasilevsky. Uh Shosturkin, because he was out of his. Oh mind. yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, if Shosturkin doesn't have a fucking unbelievable ridiculously good season. And how's he doing this season? He's not having a repeat. Still a good, well, catch, a good catch, Yeah, but. there's there's kind of a lot of goalies. I don't want to say they're struggling, but they haven't been as good as last year. But, I mean, when you look at Markstrom in context, that's where it kind of gets dicey. So, um, of like 50 plus, 58 goalies who have played 500 minutes or more this year, he ranks 40th in goals saved above expected in all situations. Yeah. Like, I remember... Yeah, some not great. Games- I remember watching some of those games, especially on the penalty kill. Like he never let it mean anything in the first half of last season. So you're looking at comparing the two seasons. It's like he's what probably the biggest difference we've experienced this season from last is the strength of goaltending because he was unreal first half of last season and he has not been good. I mean, he's had some few good games as of late, right? Well, he looked like he was turning it around and then he had that. I mean, the game against Chicago, I mean, it wasn't great. Like, you probably shouldn't be letting in four goals against the Blackhawks. But I thought the game against St. Louis, he was particularly bad. Um, but it looked like he was just turning a corner, and now it's kind of back to like, yeah, man, he's he's struggling again. Yeah. And then if you're comparing last season to this season, like defensively, I don't think we're as good as a whole. Like, we, it looks like we're, we're letting – we had way too many holes defensively compared to last season, but that with the goaltending, that's the biggest difference. Why we're, I think we're having a hard time getting traction plus the ability to, to score that extra goal. Yeah. Like if you, if you look at it, it's like, okay, say Markstrom had like, what is he? He has a sub 900 save percentage at this point. Doesn't he? He must, I'm just going to pull it up right now. Um, but if he saves like, 
he's got a sub 900 right now. That's not good enough, dude. Oh, yeah. Um, if he saves three or four more goals this year, how many one goal games have we been in? Uh, isn't every single one again? Yeah, game? like you can't even get up six one and not have it being a one goal game. So I'm not trying to pin it all on Markstrom, but it's like I it has been like everybody's been really was really frustrated after those two losses, and you saw a lot of like oh fire Sutter shit and just like all this crazy nonsense. And it's like, hey, team's playing very well. Um, if you have really three factors improving the goaltending, top end goal scoring. And, and the, power play. the power play, you'd be fine because you're playing pretty good hockey five on five every single night. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking at, at the focus of, of Daryl Sutter, the narrative that he is still talking about, because I mean, that's, that's a big talking point, you know, as far as the last week, week and a half goes on this road trip is what is the coach saying, right? You got losses to Chicago, losses to depleted lineup, one loss against depleted lineup against St. Louis. But he's still going on about we need that big time goal, right? Someone to take you over the top. He finally said the power play was what do you call irrelevant. It? Search, Somebody search asked him, "Is like uh, how was the power play? What were you thought on the power play?" He's like, "Power play was what's a good word? Irrelevant." Yeah, that was Ryan Pike. Thanks, Pike. Finally. Thank you. Finally, someone asks. And then the power play has been good since that question. Yep. So I don't know if. That made any impact, but the media has an impact. The fans have an impact. So we got to keep grilling them when we can. So I don't know. I mean, to wrap, wrap up the point on, on Markstrom, um, I guess that's a, a good metric to look at what you, what you're talking about is what's his, what's his average in his career. And he, if you look, he's kind of sweat slightly above average goaltending, but I guess if you're a GM, you know, if you want to, if you're paying money, you're not paying it. An absorbent amount. What is the word? Exorbitant. Yeah, exorbitant. Yeah, exorbitant amount for Markstrom. Um, but you are you are playing, you know, higher than average. So I guess you're probably he's you're probably getting pretty decent value when he's when he's playing like he can. But yeah, he hasn't stacked up to uh, to the likes of Hellebuck and Vasilevsky, where just like year after year after year, game after game, like they're just so consistently good all the time. So I don't know. This tandem will be interesting to see how how it uh, plays out in the second half. Well, and like, Ladar yeah, is he going to get more starts? Do you think he will? I think he's probably going to get more starts. I think Daryl has because you know we had Woodley on Kevin Woodley, goalie analyst, on right after they signed Marstrom, and one of the things he told us that um, I think has been well known about Marstrom in terms of his weaknesses is he play he wants to play too much. When he does play too much, he gets broken yeah. down. And he makes mental yeah. mistakes. Like we yeah. had a conversation about literally his puck tracking. Right, like his his fatigue in terms of actually tracking the puck after he's played too long, and that seems to have you know been the case. Wasn't the case last year, I guess, until the Edmonton series. Maybe he totally got totally got fizzled out because he was tired. But um, that seems to be pretty consistent. When he plays too much, he's not as sharp. He's not as good. So I hope. And you know what? I think Daryl has kind of discovered that this year. He's had he had that one stretch where he rode Vladar for like. I don't know how many games it was in a row, but it was a solid week where Markstrom wasn't playing. It was after the Markstrom said he sucked comment. So maybe yeah. we see something similar. Daryl did say after the game the other night that he wanted to get Vladar in a little bit to get Markstrom prepared for the next stretch of games. So I imagine we'll see Vladar more than we would have expected, but I still think Markstrom is going to get the lion's share of the starts. 
I mean, Kiprasov's a pretty hard, high bar, I guess. That's the that's part of the problem. Eh? The Flames are continue to search for the ever elusive yeah. second coming of Kiprasov. He was on another planet, eh? Just Dude, like, like you go watch some of those old games. It was like I just remember watching. It's like he always had that save where he would suck it into his gut, and it was like nothing. You knew nothing was going to get by him. It was just crazy. Like my favorite, I think my favorite, and these are definitely Daryl's two favorite games ever, was the game five, game six against Detroit in the second round in 2004. They win both games one nothing. Yep. Against like Brett Hall, Brandon Shanahan, Nick Lidstrom. Like these are these are Hall of Fame shooters. They win both games one nothing. Johan Hansen. Holmstrom. Oh. Do they have Johan Franson? Cujo was in net. Dat, no, I don't know if Datsuk was there yet, but man, they were good. But I, Daryl is always, I guarantee those are like the two most perfect games ever played under Daryl Sutter that he he would like. He loves those one nothing games. Remember Cujo's cup of coffee in Calgary? Yeah, that was weird. That was fun. Eh? Remember when Mike Keenan pulled Kipper and um, I guess they won that game though. That was the Sarich game. Right. Where they went down 3 nothing and he pulled them. That was crazy. That was a fucking great game. But the other thing with Marshall, just before we wrap it up on him, that I want to mention is like, I, I have heard from guys like Woodley too. And, and again, I don't want to get too bogged down to like, oh, the stats say this. You watch the games this year. Marshall has not been very good, right? Um, but I have heard from Woodley and some other people that some of the more like private models are much higher on Markstrom in terms right. of his career than the public ones. So I don't know. I still think he's going to get it together. He's not this bad. <laughs> What's your uh, what's your prediction for the second half here in terms of goaltending? Um, Daryl, we know, is not afraid to continue playing Markstrom if, even if he's the second best goaltender. Um, and I know all it's all part of a bigger plan for Daryl. He's just a long term thinker, and I think mm-hmm. that's why. Yeah, I think that's why there's so much frustration around the coaching that is probably unnecessary and unjust. Um, is that he's not thinking about this week, right? Everything, every decision he makes is with a long-term intention. And I mean, same with the same with the decision to play Markstrom too much, and even when he shouldn't be. It just seems so much easier to go with Flitar. But like I said, he's he's thinks differently. But what do you think will the, the tandem will look like as Markstrom is gonna be more like a 60-40? Split 70 30. It's what has it been 70 30 or has it been 80 20? Well, Vladar's played how many games? 16. I think he's played 16 games, so, so like a, it's, it's not like a... it's not that dramatic of a split, right? I don't know if those are starts. I know he's played, I think he has had 16 starts, maybe not because he was there was one game where he pulled Markstrom. I can't remember what game it was. Um. That's been a pretty good split. I don't know. I don't. I don't see any reason for that not to continue. Because what is that? Halfway through the year, he's at sixteen games, seventeen, yeah. sixteen games. It's like a, a 65-35 split. Pretty decent. Sounds about right. Yeah. So you think that'll continue? Yeah, I think so. Maybe you, the thing is and, though, like we need. Yeah, I, those. We'll see once once things tighten up because as the standings get tighter. Like the Avs are coming, obviously. The Oilers aren't going away. Um, some other teams are right on our heels. So we'll see how that influences his decisions as well. And do you think Markstrom's game will pick up? As a I, hope so. I hope so. What do you think, though? 
Like if you were, if I had to make you bet, do you think he'd be better? I think he's going to be better. I think he's going to be better. Slightly better? Or yeah. I don't like think a, he's going to be like Vesna last year better, but he'll be better. All right. Do you think his, his save percentage will be over nine nine oh five to end the season? <laughs> sure. Can you sure. clean it up that much? I sure hope so. And the other thing too in this is like, I still think there are some um, defensive, you know, a lot of a lot of the goals are coverage issues too. So many new guys still only playing like forty games in Calgary. So hopefully, hopefully that shores up a little bit too, because like you know, even in the St. Louis game, he lets in a bad rebound goal, but um, it's because it's the guy's wide open, missed coverage there. So a lot of that kind of still breakdowns are still happening. So I think. His natural inclination to being a psychopath competitor combined with uh, the team gradually getting better at defense as the year goes on will hopefully yield slightly better results. How good is that penalty kill, though? A penalty kill is a joy to watch. It is. It's like usually it's a joy to watch the power play. <laughs> no. The penalty kill is a yeah. joy. The other thing on the defensive end, too, um, I know we mentioned it. I mean, you know, give Stone props for for what he's done the last two three seasons, given his role. Um, but obviously, you don't like to see him as a permanent, um, you know, in a permanent role, mm-hmm. top pairing, getting every playing every night. I think we could that might help the defensive situation a little bit yeah. more. And I mean, look, he does make great plays. I love how he plays the body. I love how physical he is. But positionally speaking, you're still seeing, you know, two or three. Two or three pretty blatant errors per game, and sometimes they end up at the back of the net. And obviously, there's no room for any of that in the playoffs. So I don't know. I think they're. I mean, yes, it sounds like Daryl or uh, Brad's on the hunt for for another scoring winger, which you were mentioning. There's was there rumors around Pedersen, or is just you just heard that Pedersen wants out. Well, I saw, I think it was Mike Russo of who's like a legit. Somebody posted it somewhere that Elias Pedersen is like. Because apparently Vancouver is just like, what's going on there? Like it's a mess there. They oh, dude, it's that a, shit. They it's got, a fucking mess. They um, Bruce Brudro. They had what's his name? The injury. Yeah, yeah. Tanner Pearson hurt his hand or something. Yeah. And Quinn and then, Hughes. Quinn Hughes is like the team handled this horribly. It's like whoa, what's going then, on there? So. Yeah. yeah, Mike Russo, who's like legit. I think he's a he's a Minnesota Wild guy, but he said on the Athletic podcast that um, he thinks Pedersen wants out, and he said he's going on gut, but also a little bit of knowledge there. So, yeesh. interesting. So obviously we need a scoring winger, but I think you also need another D man to shore up, shore up the, t- the third pairing. Hey, like Brad's oh, totally. Some- Brad's made some pretty decent acquisitions late in the season for, for defensemen. He loves that's his break. He's like dying. He's like finally, I have an opportunity to. Right now, we actually need one. Yeah, finally, we need one, Brad. He, he can pull it off, and we don't need it. Now we need it. I mean, it's obvious Shillington's not coming back. You heard a little bit of a rumor there from. Um, well, Cerebelli, he dropped like which I thought was a pretty big piece of information the other day on. I don't know if it was his show or on the barn burner show, but the Shillington is in the, the player's assistance program, which I had never heard anything about that, but he said that's the case. Yes. But does, does that necessarily mean anything in one particular, because I know, does it have to be a substance related thing if he's in the assistance program? No, but I would imagine it's some sort of 
non-physical health thing. So my assumption would be my, 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 just the reason that was interesting to me would, would be for like LTIR purposes. Like I, I think, I don't know if this has been confirmed, but I think he would be eligible to go on LTIR. Okay. But so, you're, but as far as being strategic, it would make more sense to wait to put him on LTIR. So yeah, um, there's a good article in the wind column this week, just talking about um, what's going on with that. So essentially by having him on the roster, the flames are accruing cap space every day that he's on the roster. So they'll have more money available to them if, and when they want to make a trade. So it makes more strategic sense to just not LTIR him right now. Right. Okay. So when would you do it? Well, I don't know. I guess if it depends if he's, if he's actually coming back or not. So, well, how the fuck? I I assume he's not going to come back. How do you just, it's Shillington, dude. It's not like, it's not like it's Eric Carlson or Drew Doughty guys have played in the, in the, in the show for almost a decade. They just, you know, come right back after injury. Like, look, how, look how much Val Mackey struggled since coming back. From oh, playing. yeah. Like that, that was like, that's all, he's having a bit of a rebound, right, in, in Arizona. But as far as his his career, as it was a career-ending Flames career-ending injury. He, well, did was... not, he did not come back from that. Mm. A guy like Schilling who finally, finally makes it. It's kind of a sad story because I don't know what's going on with him, but – I don't know if he's going to come back. Personally, is he that, that good? He well, comes back even if he would does, even if he is coming back, it feels like a hard bet to count on him to play really no. important minutes exactly. down the stretch. So yeah, get on, Brad. You've, you're you are a pro at this. You're a pro at acquiring depth defenseman, dude. Too bad we didn't keep Gustafson. I know he sucked for a long time, but he's been so good in Washington this year on their power play. Holy cow! Yeah, Gus is in. Where's Forbert now? Is he still playing? He's in Boston. Oh, that's yeah. a nice, nice spot. For nice little spot for old Forbert. Forbert. <laughs> maybe, maybe Nesty. Barclay, Barry, Bert, Bort. Oh, oh yeah, come on, Brad, Bort. Brad's, Brad's definitely got Nestrov on speed dial. <laughs> Good old Nesty. The only guy I've ever seen hit McDavid, so it's okay. Yeah, hey, yeah, that was good props to him. That was a good play. Yeah, I'm watching last night's game. I'm like, how come no one ever hits this fucking guy? And I get it. He's elusive, but still, you think at some point is just going to get drilled. The way he cuts into the middle of the ice, you'd think somebody would have nailed him by now. So we talked about Daryl's narrative, and I mean, looking at the team as a whole, we all know the storyline so far this season. Right. It's just been like the tip of the, there's no one tipping this team over on those one goal games on enough nights. Daryl's been trying to hammer that home. You know that on a season, this is what's interesting with Daryl Sutter as a coach because you know that he's building um, team play throughout the duration of a season. So with Daryl, you can kind of expect that the team is going to probably peak. Um, sometime in the second half of the season, each season, because all these little foundational things he has to lay, and he had to do it again with such a new, so much turnover on the roster. A lot of those things pay dividends in the second half. So hopefully we're trending in the right direction. I mean, that's the hope for every Flames fan, because like you said, 
we've played some pretty uninspiring hockey, but at the same time, there's a lot there's underneath all that. There's still a lot of really good things about what this team has done. And so they're two or three steps away from like, you know, being a really good consistent team, but obviously you need better goaltending. You probably need to bring your, your, you got to tighten up defensively, which it sounds like we're, we're, we're starting to kind of see that happen. And then you got to, your power play has to be better. It was, it has been so far in the last few games. And then you just need that extra goal. You need when a game is tight, when the game is tied late in the game, you need someone to, yeah. to break the game for you. Yeah, like that's the combination, exactly. The combination of those four things, and they're not any one giant thing. They're all kind of like little things that if even if you just push the needle like 5% in all four, four of those areas, you got a really good team. So that's kind of like you're sitting here, you're listening to the narrative of the coach throughout the season. You're, you know, you're following it week to week, tracking it. And it's just like, okay, we're slightly better now at that. Goaltending has been slightly improved in the last two, three weeks. Markstrom slightly improved. The defense seems to be slightly improving. We're getting a slightly more scoring. The power of getting slightly better. So even if it's like, you know, slow progress in those four areas and it continues to progress by the end of the season, um, hey, if it does continue, we should be um, a pretty competitive team. Yeah, I think if you take out just the mini lapses this team seems to be prone to in some of these games, you'd be looking at a really successful season so far. So you start the road trip off in Chicago and it's pretty funny. I mean, there's that <laughs> meme out there of Vince McMahon, right? <laughs> it's like the flames looking for losses. What's the first one? And it's just like, uh, first one is you're playing a team that's not in the playoffs for sure. Okay. Okay. Oh, Ooh, that looks like a good team to lose to second one. Second one. They have depleted lineup, key players out. Yeah. Ooh, Vince is getting a little more excited. What's the backup one? goalie? Oh, oh, no, I thought that was the fire in his eyes or whatever, laser eyes. Oh, what's the third one then? I made this meme. You should think I would know. You made this? This is so good. <laughs> backup goalie. And what's the other one? Oh, I don't know. Player hasn't scored in fucking. Two oh, years. yeah, yeah. Players getting their first goal. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Speaking of which, what's the, what's the, the St. Louis guy, neighbors, his first name? Yeah, Jake, Airdrie boy. I got that on here as a talking point. I guess we'll just jump to it now that we're... But you see it. <laughs> Every time. Every time. Chicago, depleted lineup, no Kane, non-playoff team. And did they have their backup in? Alex Stalock. He counts as a backup, I think, I guess. I don't know. Even if he's a starter. Right? He's terrible. You lose to Chicago. Despite Ooh. out-shooting, out-chancing. Well, I'm getting sick of this narrative because you hear it every Dude, fucking broadcast. Greg Millen was just like, oh, I just don't understand. And it's like, you haven't been watching. You don't watch, you watch the, the same thing I watched, Greg. When you're not covering them, you're watching other hockey, Greg. It's the same fucking story every night. We outshoot everybody. We outchance everybody. But the goaltending is usually better than ours because our fucking, all our shots are coming from the perimeter, of, you know, height for the most nights. So you see that, uh, that quote from Peanuts up at Edmonton. Oh, geez. So it's funny because we talk about Daryl. We talk about his his narrative. This is one of the things he's he's talking about. He strategically is doing this to counteract the fact that they don't have any 
high-end goal-scoring ta- talent. And, I mean, you do have some, some pretty good goal scorers. Like, would you put Toffoli in the category as great goal scorer? He's mm. a pretty good goal scorer. He's good. I mean, his career high is, what, like 27? Or did he hit 30 one year? Lindholm is a, a pretty damn good goal scorer. Is he a great goal scorer? Uh, playing with Johnny Gaudreau. I mean, he's 40. Whatever. He's a 40 goal guy. He's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, you have guys that can put the puck in the net. But you don't have the Eichel. You don't have – I mean, so this has been part of Daryl's narrative even when he first took over the team. I think it's even more true now because you lost Goudreau and Kachuk, and we're still waiting for – Huberto's has been better, but we're still waiting for him to, to take over some games for us. But, you know, part of his narrative is just like, yeah, we're intentionally driving up shot volume to counteract the fact that we don't have – elite elite finishers on this team and coming back to this the reason why i brought the peanuts thing what's his name again jay woodcroft jay woodcroft sounds like a porn name (laughs) looks like one too (laughs) oh man oh boy okay so how do you it wasn't even it was unprovoked even i know it, like when was the last time we played them? But was it an old quote? This is a thing that I can't stand about. I watched a little bit of uh, last night's game, Oilers and Vegas, and it's just oh, you turn the broadcast on before the game even starts. The circle jerk is on. Okay, it's like they just can't. Oh, they can't man. help themselves. They can't. Ron McLean. He's just oh, geez. reading poetry, crying. Yeah, it's it's a little ridiculous. The, the the fanfare, they they can't hide it. They can't quell it on that on that broadcast. But the point is, is like I don't even know who we were playing. I think it was Chicago, or St. Louis. But the broad, we're not playing Edmonton. We haven't played them. Like there's Edmonton's not even playing that night. But sure, they throw up this Woodcroft quote where he's like, "Oh yeah, Calgary is the kind of team that really takes shots from the the red line." Just so they can increase their, just to get their coursey up, just to get their. <laughs> what a fucking loser! So obviously that's there's, I see what he's saying, but look, the team's not intentionally taking shots. They don't shoot from the red line, thank God. But there are a lot. There's a high volume of perimeter shots, and it's intentional. Daryl is wanting this team to shoot from everywhere. And I think probably this, this is a foundational thing, like we're saying. The next thing to build on that, and he's talked about it, is to start getting closer into the slot areas as well as start getting more traffic to the net. So, hey, if this is a, if this is a building block for them to uh, add on to and then have more success through – I mean, we've seen some more goals lately, but – I mean, we saw it. Yeah, I don't know exactly where. I can't even remember where I was going with that. But obviously, this is this is part of their game plan. Well, the thing is, is like the idea is shot volume eventually leads to shot volume leads to shot quality, right? Quantity leads to quantity in the quantity leads to quality in the long term. Yeah, if you know, you're getting I, if you're getting greasy and going yeah. to the slot, but and I mean, I mean, I think the Flames are attacking a little bit differently, like you're saying, like it's fine to play greasy like that, but you have to play greasy. If you're going to be shooting from everywhere, you got to retrieve a lot of pucks. 
You yeah. got to get a lot of rebounds, but they that's the similar thing to what Carolina does, right? It's just shoot from everywhere, lots of zone time. Usually shot volume to me ends up, and to Daryl, I think, ends up equaling offensive zone time. And I posted some clips because this was, I think it was right after Woodcroft said that or something. Because, you know, if you watch the team, they do take a shit ton of, of low quality shots. And essentially their entire expected goal uh, total is driven by the fact they shoot from everywhere and they shoot a lot. So it's like drops in a bucket as opposed to like just pouring it right into a bucket. Um, But eventually that should lead to extended ozone time, which leads to more dangerous chances is kind of the hypothesis, I think. And I mean, I posted some clips from them doing this last year and it worked a lot last year. There's a, there was even a clip I posted from them playing Chicago worker. Branson keeps firing it from the point, just blasting it. Um, doesn't go in, but it created a rebound that was like retrieved by Kachuk. He gets to get, they're just in the offensive zone for like a full minute and a half and they end up scoring a great goal. So I think the idea is offensive zone time is what they want. So hopefully that's what we start seeing. And I think we are starting to see that particularly from the Manjapani back on Coleman line who have been insane. But I mean, so, even on, even in that Dallas, the Dallas, the goal by Anderson last night, a, a good example of it. Like Lucic, <laughs> Lucic and Huberto make some great plays to keep that puck in the zone. Yeah, it ends up leading to a goal on a point shot, right? So, yeah, that's one of those things that I know you've mentioned about Daryl Sutter's system. Typically, is they can prevent the team from breaking out, or they cause a turnover in the neutral zone. They're right back on the attack, and that shift for sure two or three times. And Lucic was right in there as part of that. Yeah, the wood, the wood, the Woodcroft thing was a bit of a tangent, but yeah, coming back, I remember where, where it all came from was Greg Millen in, in the storyline of the Chicago game. That's the game plan every night, right? It's not that uh, you, you know you're oh you're out shooting your. I mean, we how many every single game we've lost. I mean, there, there's only been one or two games where where we got dominated and lost in shots and and scoring chances. Like usually when we lose, we still have way more shots, the shot volumes there and all that stuff. So it's the same storyline. So you shouldn't be surprised. I think the better, the bigger storyline in that game was the flame. So here's a good way to look at it. The flames had 68 shot attempts at five and five. The Blackhawks only had 46, but high danger. The Blackhawks had 11 high danger chances for the flames had 12. So the ratio of high danger chances to shot attempts was pretty much, it was way higher for the flames but i mean the bigger question is why are you allowing 11 high danger chances at five on five against the chicago blackhawks yeah Yeesh. yeah i mean, you know the other point is it's intentional on the flames end of things and i know it's all part of daryl's like so but do you i kind of do do you see this as a building block whereas if oh you yes can, yeah if you can put lay that down and now you're i mean that's a big reason why you're second in the league in in corsi which is a pretty good stat to be high up in the league for so if you continue to build on that like i said i mean even incrementally you could uh have some big success down the road well yeah because any but if you're going to be if you're a possession team generally over the long term and again you you can get burned like we saw against really high skill teams like the oilers but um i think being a good possession team is you probably don't want it to this extent where it's like you're literally shooting everything all the time and not generating a ton of high quality, but being a puck possession team is important. Well, and know your opponent too. Like, I mean, you're playing the fucking Blackhawks. It's the fucking Blackhawks. 
Like, don't sit back and wait and trust the system. Just fucking, sure, play within your system, but take a few extra risks here and there and fucking generate some offense. Like, Hey, folks, our show is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL playoff picture is locked in, and the go-to place for wildcard round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 in free bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. If you want to go to a hockey game or any other sporting event this year, you can use our promo code in the dome pod over at SeatGeek to save 20 bucks off your first purchase. So there's a minimum purchase requirement. It has to be 50 bucks or more, and it has to be your first purchase on the account, and then you can use the promo code in the dome pod to save 20 bucks. So if you want some tickets to the Flames game or any other local sporting event or any event at all, just use that code for 20 bucks off in the dome pod. I guess, you know, the good takeaways from the Chicago game is you still get a point. There's two power play goals, which fucking finally we're starting to see a little bit of of action on the power play. And then you did come back from down two. So you got three good takeaways there. I know it sucks to lose to the worst team in the league when it didn't really look like your effort was, was totally there for the full 60. But at least they do get a point out of that. And there, there was a few good things. Well, yeah. And it, it's mitigated by the fact you then ended up getting if you won two more games on the road trip, but you've got six of eight. Like if you drop that and then lose two straight in regulation, you're you're feeling a lot worse about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the other good takeaway is Huberto scores again. Yes, with, un, with a great little play by Lucic. How good has Lucic been in the last? Dude, ever this is, since. This is funny. This is funny because not long ago. Was it the last episode of the one before? It was the last one, yeah. We were going crazy. Everybody else was going crazy, but at least we had the recognition to be like, every time we go crazy, Daryl proves us wrong. Just wait. <laughs> yeah. This is happening. This that is was the best ripping Lucic. right into Lucic, and he's been very good ever since. This is probably the best Lucic has looked in the Flames uniform, maybe outside of the Dallas series in the bubble. Oh, easily. And I mean, it helps when you're playing with. Audrey and Riverdo, but I mean that goal he scores against St. Louis is great. He made a great play against like in the Dallas game yesterday. Dude, I didn't even know he could raise the puck. Like I has has he <laughs> scored in the top half of the net as a flame yet? Is that his first goal top shelf? Remember his very first goal? It was like after like 40 games and it was against Buffalo and he shot it right into whoever was in net's paddle and it almost didn't go in. Yeah, usually we're used to him missing and scoring, kind of like Lewis did the other night. Yeah, the fan goal. Yeah, usually that's a, how Luigi scores his goals. So, I mean, look, all things considering, like you said, it's easier to take now in hindsight because you just won two in a row. You're six out of eight points on a road trip so far. But at the time, for a real fucking shitty outcome, there was where there was some good things in that game to take away from. Yeah. And, I mean, <sighs> the, Bla- the Blackhawks beat Colorado like two days later. So True. That helps, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Colorado, dude. This, I mean, they won last night, but uh, I was watching a bit of the game, and they were they were winless in their last eight games. Well, this is funny because I saw again all the consternation this week has been about how much the Flames suck under Sutter, and he changed the system, and he's such a tool. And the best comment I've seen this week: somebody was like, "What's wrong with Colorado?" And somebody's like, "Bednar." 
fire they should probably fire Bednar, eh? Oh fuck. <laughs> it's like exactly. Trade McKinnon and fire Bednar. That's yeah. the solution, eh? Hey, if it was uh the fan fucking three seasons ago, they'd be it, saying, what else can you do? Put uh, McKinnon in the press box. At this point, there's nothing left to do. You just yeah, it's oh man, it's been and again, I losing to Chicago after you lost to Columbus and Montreal twice is frustrating, but Flames Twitter has been crazy this week. It's funny though, like Daryl's as as predictable as Daryl is in terms he's he's predictably unpredictable. That's the only thing you can predict mm-hmm. with him. Like you never know. Like you you lose to the worst team in the league, and then he's saying afterwards, happy to get a point. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like he's Right. Well, he knows he knows what buttons to push. And the thing is, like, we did a we were doing a Twitter thing the other day, and Salum from TSN jumped on, and we were talking to him about Daryl's talking to the media. And you just always have to remember it's not that he's like lying or not truthful, but he uses the media for a very specific purpose most of the time. Yeah. So Salum said that there's a very distinct difference between when the cameras are off and when they're on. So you just always have to take what he says with a, uh, like, what is he trying to do with, with that statement? Right. It's like motivation, something it's just, it's usually cause everyone always freaks out when he makes for no, it's like he publicly ripped Johnny Gaudreau. Oh, what are they ever going to do? And then it's like, Hey, Johnny just played the best game of his life. The next game. Oh, he said, Huberto has to take a shit. It's just like all this stuff. He just, you know, like he's, he knows what he's doing. It's purposeful. Love it. Yeah, As opposed to dipshit McGee up in Edmonton. That's the one thing Daryl doesn't do, Woodcroft, you loser. He never comments poorly on other teams. Yeah, that's a fucking 101, bro. That's that's veteran coaching 101. Exactly. So I guess Always not, complimentary to the other team. So I guess it's not 101. It's more like that's that's the veterans 101. So yeah. he's not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. Still kind of a little peanutty over there. He's off in Jeff Wardland. Fuck, I wish they weren't turning it up, though, eh? Yeah, it's kind of pissing me off. I mean, it still is pretty incredible that McDavid has 82 points and they're still tied with us in points. Like, can you imagine how much farther along we'd be if Huberto had like 40 points or 50 points? McDavid is point per game already. He could not score a point for the rest of the season and have point per game. Dude, what's he on pace for? What, 160? Jeez, dude. Why is he so good? It's just insane. I mean, at some point, I, I think it was... In the last season or two, Versteeg is on Instagram in a story. He's like, it's he's just so much better than everybody else. Like it's it's so easy for him. Oh, we've se- we've seen it. We've seen it firsthand. He dismantled our entire team in a playoff series by himself, pretty much. Fuck, they're gonna get Kane back soon too. I wish they would just go away. Like it's pissing me off. I know. I hate them. Fuck! Did you see? Uh, did you see that goal? The first goal against uh, Campbell last night. <laughs> That's the only hope, I guess. Dude, yeah, it is. That's why. Like again, like you have, like he has eighty-two points, and they're still only in the second wild card spot. It's insane. So this goal, if you haven't watched it, go back and watch it. But remember when Mike Smith used to water Buffalo? Just like, dude, get up, get up! <laughs> Fucking Campbell's on his back, water buffaloing for like thirty seconds. There's like five chances he won't get up. His, the puck goes behind that. He's still laying on his back. He's hilarious, dude. Eventually goes in. That was awesome. Uh, so, yeah, they beat Vegas. I don't know. Vegas seems to kind of start to be cooling off a bit. Uh, they still have a great team, though. They're, are they going to do a hold on to first place? 
I think, LA is pushing here. I think so. LA is coming on. It's kind of weird though, because like anytime I watch LA, I'm never super impressed. Um, no, and they don't have great goaltending either, so it's kind of a weird mixed bag with LA. I think it's all up for grabs right now, honestly. Yeah, we'll see what the Flames can do. Um, so second game of the road trip, St. Louis. It's at one point you're up three one. You're like, okay, this is looking pretty good. Got a good chance to win this. Feeling pretty good about myself. Wait a minute. No, third period. No. Yeah. yeah. Thought you had it. Didn't have it. Blew it. Blew a 3-1 lead. Although Lucic gets a sweet goal from Kadri. That was nice. That was sweet. He looked like Bruins Lucic on that play. Wanji Pawnee gets on the board. Again, some pretty good takeaways. At least you get a point. But, yeah, the 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 losing of leads is definitely concerning. So much so that it's Dallas. You're up, was it 6 2? 6 1. 6 1. Late in the second period. You're well over halfway through the game. 6 1. Well, it's funny because Noah um, posted, I think it was 4 1. We were up 4 1. And, or he, and he tweeted, he's like, something to the effect of, like, yeah, no, it's 4 1, but with this team. I don't feel comfortable. I said 100%. We got a 5-1. I'm like a little bit more comfortable, but still in the back of my mind. I'm like, nah. Then it goes to 6-1. And I'm like, okay, I'm feeling really comfortable now. But then in the back of my mind, I'm like, they'll probably still make it a close game. Sure fucking enough. Sure fucking enough. Dude, you literally text me 6-5 win. I did. 6-2. After the second period, I'm like 6-5 win. Watch. They sure like those one-goal games. Eh? <laughs> just had to get it in there. So the Flames apparently are have blown the most leads this season. Yeah, 20, see, they've, they've blown the lead 25 times. Dude. That's ridiculous. That's insane. <laughs> There's got to be a blown your load joke in there, but like... Eh? I better well, not say it. The thing with... <laughs> why not? That's more than I blow my load. <laughs> um, the thing in the St. Louis game, though, is like two goals Markstrom should have had, really. And then, again, like the St. Louis game is kind of a microcosm. It's like Markstrom was subpar, and then your best player screws up in overtime again. Is this the game? I thought he was supposed to be the best three-on-three player in the whole league or something. Well, when we had Jack Hahn on. The stats would indicate that this year would he's definitely like, not. He's like, he's like he's actually not that good on five five, but he's really good three on three. We're like, oh, well, that kind of sucks. Her terrible, <laughs> terrible. Sucks, sucks hey, it both. He, he was right about the five on five. Yeah, wrong he sure was the, wrong about the three on three. Sucks it both. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, like it was funny because that that turnover in overtime against the Blues. That leads to the game-winning goal. Fuck, was that terrible, dude. Which one was worse, the L.A. one or this one? I think this one, dude. Probably the L.A. one was worse, though, because he's all alone in front of the net with, a like, a wide-open shot. Sure, but this one is now compounded. Yeah. And, like, my tweet after the game was, like, the only thing I'm not surprised about is that he didn't do a spin move first. Well, and see, this is funny because everybody was complaining about Daryl starting backland and 2D in the Chicago game. Right. It's like, and that's then, why. And then 
The next game, he starts Huberto and fucking, and that's what Huberto does. Oh, I think I'll just do a toe drag drop pass to the other team to set to up on nobody. Fucking... Jeez. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was terrible. So you finally get through St. Louis with a depleted lineup. Pretty much on the back of Dude, well, you know what? Lindholm had a really good game. The Lindholm line was better after a really couple tough games, but that Mangiapane Coleman back of the line is just insane right now. Dude, they're unbelievable. They're of like all, yeah, of every line in the NHL who's played a hundred minutes together, they are top. They lead the league in expected goals for percentage. Expected, they're just like they lead the league in the percentage and they lead the league in raw numbers. Expected goals for per 60 minutes, they are the top line. Expected goals against, they are fourth. They are dominating right now, dude. I'm really liking Coleman's game. Oh, he's been great. And you know what? Daryl, remember, Daryl said this a few weeks ago that we need him to get back to the basics of his game and be a better player for us. Boy, has yeah. he. And now Mangiapane's coming around. Was it this game that he hit two crossbars? Was that the, I think the, it was this game. That we lost? Yeah, the game we won, I think. He hit oh, the game two, we won. Two, two posts. It's like, okay, also, here's an, like for everyone freaking out. Again, the last two games have kind of been like, hey, shooting percent normalizing. We lead the league in posts now, officially, yeah. I think. Well, it just never, it never stops. Every single game, there's one or two. I'm going to pull up. Because Toffoli's hit hit nine. Toffoli has hit nine posts and crossbars this year. Mangiapane's right on his tail. Mangiapane's hit seven. It's insane. So yeah, second game against St. Louis. St. Louis Vladar gets in. Dewar scores his first goal. That was sweet. His first. That's a dude. That's a nice greasy snipe. Uh, yeah. Fucking for your goal first scores. That's goal. a goal scores goal too. For your first NHL goal, my God, dude, fucking awesome. I'm really liking him. He's the exact reason why it's like, why haven't they been playing guys like that on their fourth line in the last few years? He's fast. He's got a good stick. He's big. big. He's physical. He can shoot. Yeah, I really like this game. A really good fit on the fourth line, too. Really good. Dubé, Coleman, Dubé, Emptonator. That was, a nice, yeah. that was a nice that was a nice game the second game against it was, it was a good I mean, game because you saw yeah the, the Lindholm line had a good game Lindholm I think quietly had a really good game um and the Munchpony the Munchpony unit was really good and Bladar was really good when he needed to be yeah. in the first period especially well that's been his storyline all season well and again that's what you want from your goalie like just Wait, make just make some saves dude so what he's 7-0 and 7-0-3 in his last 10 come on how do you not keep rolling with this guy until he signs shows any sign of faltering or Markstrom's been sitting out too long? Roll with him. He's the better goaltender currently. Well, he's, you're winning games with him as opposed to Markstrom, where you're losing games that you probably should have won. Neighbors had a goal in both games, did he not? Did he score in this game? I don't remember. I don't think he scored in this game. Huh. Thought he did. Weird. Pull it up. Airdrie kid. So it's uh Yes, you're right, he did. So yeah, he scored both. Yep. It was two first goals, right? That's right. That's, That's funny, yeah. Well, well I dude, that was another bingo game because Grice was in net, still really depleted. Right. Pulled it off. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dallas game, we touched on it a bit, like holy fuck though. 
I mean, it's nice to see all these guys scoring. I love Manji Pwani's goal in the first shift. Love the finish and the, and the and the patience to wait out the goaltender on that. Lewis scores the the fan power goal. play goal. PP unit number three. That's like his first power play goal in five years. It's hilarious. And then and then they had fucking uh, Zdorov on the PP two to start the next power play or whatever power play it was, and he just like. Well, they made some nice adjustments on the power play, but Zadorov really screwed that one up. On the goal, you mean, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah. hey, sweet, we're gonna get to see the Zadorov. He's doinking he's around like a dummy. On the blue line, and can he? Oh, that was terrible, dude. That was the, one of the weirdest goals, eh? And then Ben somehow tipped it after Lindholm of did. Of course, it's Ben. Fuck you, Ben. At least he didn't fucking beat up on our smallest players all game, eh? Remember when he? Um... Because didn't Kachuk... Oh, yeah. So remember Chucky got uh, against LA this year? Everyone was freaking out because he, like, poked quick with his stick in his mask. Remember this? Yeah. Do you remember when Jamie Benn did the exact same thing to Mangiapane? Except, like, he doesn't have a full face shield? Yeah. Yeah. He and, didn't it's get funny. To, and it's he funny. suspended for it. The broadcast had a good ch- chortle all over it, though. Eh? Yeah. Oh, Louis, <laughs> that's Louis pretty DeRuff. funny. <laughs> a little, oh, little gamesmanship oh, Just there. a little love top. I'll hurt yeah. a little bit there. No. Gamesmanship. The Defoley goal, which apparently they ended up giving to Lindholm. Damn, boy. That's a Foley. That's a Foley. Damn, boy. That's a Foley. Dude, Fuck he's been that. so good, and that's where he needs to be on the power play. I'm glad they've moved Huberto to his strong. Huberto is kind of playing in the in the slot, like goal line area, um, where Chucky used to play. They they were actively using the bumper more, and that's what happens when you use the bumper because then Foley can shoot from there and be a shooting yeah. threat. Thank you. Well, and that's a goal scorer's goal. Oh, totally. He's on, he's on one foot. He changed the angle like three times. I mean, yeah. Jerome used to do this too. But, and then if you watch the replay, Lindholm would time the screen perfectly. Yeah. It sounds like it ended up going off him, but fuck, that was sweet. Yeah, that was sweet. The Codger goal was sweet as well. Great pass well, for Hubert. Fuck. Finally. Yeah. That's, that's a playmaker's. You saw a goal scorer's goal from Toffoli. That's a playmaker's fucking assist, man. Like, because you're like, that guy's not even, he's like three screens away. Mm-hmm. He's nowhere, he's nowhere near the screen. You know, you're watching the game, you're like, you can't even, you're like, assume maybe someone's coming, but he's so far out of the play. So for Huey Hue to find it, that was like giant control ask. I thought they were gonna take it away from the poor guy, too. Yeah, that offside thing. Dude, this is ridiculous. I I hate this offside shit because that is. Here's the thing. If you have to slow something down to milliseconds and look at millimeters, it's onside. It's not in the spirit of the rule. Get rid of this dumb shit. Yeah, but what do you do? Because like... Just if the you, ref doesn't call it on the ice, it's that's all. It's fine. You have to. What if it's blatant, though? Well, then they should have called it onside and not be so terrible at their jobs. True. That's what I get. I like how this is all predicated on the fact refs can't see when offside is blatant. It's true. Like, has there been... There was the Duchesne one that started all this like five years ago. And I don't know if there's ever been like a blatant offside goal other than the one in the playoffs against Edmonton that was onside. Okay, so let's 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 put a let's figure this out. You would rather, I'm asking, because I'm gonna I'm gonna think about this too. You'd rather them just get rid of review for offsides as a whole and take your take your lumps when yes even if it was a playoff game big game and it was your team 
and the other team was offside, but say it was only slightly, you'd be fine with that. I feel like hockey's so fast that every play is pretty much offside. I'd be fine with that. Off of all the things that they can't get right, offside is so far down my list. It's like, okay, figure out goalie interference, stuff like that. Like offside is not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things. If a guy is entering the zone one millisecond before the other guy, I don't think that affects the play that much. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like when you're playing fucking pickup. It's like it's close enough. Exactly. There wasn't one guy cherry picking. It was like a blatant offside. Totally. It's part of entering the play. It's like he didn't drag his foot an extra fucking two centimeters. Exactly. He was still dragging his foot, slowing himself down. So just be better at your jobs. There's four of you on the ice. They should let referees be able to make a call if it's something like that. All right. I agree with you. Let's get rid of it. Do it. The Anderson Clapper and the Tanev Clapper. Again, two sustained ozone results of ozone time. It's good. What'd you think and of the then the collapse? What'd you think of the collapse? The thing is, is like it doesn't even affect me anymore. I didn't eat honestly, it was weird. It. I was I know I was like, hey, I don't care as long as we hang on to win, we'll be fine. I was still pretty comfortable. I was like, I don't think they can I don't think they can score it. So it was like, funny because yeah, we were trying I was trying to figure out during the game, it was like, hey, when's the last time a team has overcome a five goal deficit to win a game? I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm trying to find it. Of course, of course, it's the Flames were the last team to do it, eh? <laughs> the last time a team blew a five-goal lead and lost the game was the Calgary Flames against the Chicago Black. You'll probably remember this against the Blackhawks in two thousand nine. That's unbelievable, dude. Hey, at least they didn't do it. Of course, they didn't do it, so they'll maintain the record until they do it again. Maybe. Did you see how? Did you see how ugly McDavid was the other day? What do you mean the other day? Well, Always. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. They were asking about Was it his birthday? birthday? Yeah, his birthday. <laughs> what a dweeb. Like that. God. Best player. He must have like inverse personality and hockey skills. It's like he's as boring. His like on the personality scale, he's like the one, the 99th percentile of like boring. And he's as boring as his good humorless. As exactly. As, as boring as, as he is good at hockey. Is what you're saying. It's unreal, dude. And ugly. And then everyone's like, oh, why do you guys market Zegers so much? It's like, yeah, because Zegers is likable and cool. Like, what else are you going to do? Market McDavid? <laughs> like, did you see his socks? His socks? Did I? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been yeah, wearing I, the I same pair that. of socks. I sent you that. Yeah, there's oh, a there's such a, a hobo. There's single around where it's just a picture of from what the knees down and like all oh, these are McDavid socks. And you're like, yeah, they they must be. They it's so out. on brand, it couldn't it's be like fake. six six holes in them, and they're all black looking, and they're supposed to be white. He guaranteed Connor sold his his soul for like a pair of magic hockey socks. Dude, you make how many millions of dollars? You can't go get a fucking hot shave. You can't do a barbershop once a week. The league should, he needs to be traded to the Islanders so Lou Lamorello would mandate him to shave. I don't think it helps. Anyways. Good point. (laughs) 
How do you get so ugly? His parents aren't even that ugly. It's like he's uh-huh. one of those. He's one We're of those. Good. This is bad. We're going to the parents now. Although I, it was, I've never it, even seen them. He's like oh, one yeah, of those. Day. He's like one of those guys who's like. Surprised you haven't seen him fucking, you know, his third cousin on TV. Yeah. Right? How come they haven't done a story on the third cousin yet? From fucking. Well, it's funny because during the intermission last night, I don't know if you noticed, but they spent at least the first five minutes. I think it was second intermission talking about Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid. It was really good in the in the middle of the Flames game. Yeah. Thanks. Really wanted to see that. Connor looks like one of those kids who, like, you know, when kids hit puberty, like, and they kind of look, they look all weird and like lurchy and awkward. But then, you know, they become an adult and they kind of grow out of it. He's like one of those kids who like never really grew out of it. Just still stuck in puberty. Yeah. That would explain the body knee. Exactly. Is there any area of his body where he does not have acne? <laughs> or like just pube hair kind of. <laughs> <laughs> All right. From blowing our loads to fucking pube hair. Here we go. It's, good thing it's the intellectuals got, podcast. It's a, it's a good thing we have an explicit fucking warning on this. Yeah, thing. double explicit. That was funny, hey, when when we first started out, we were doing a bunch yeah. of lives all the time, and someone's like, hey, I love your show, but do you guys think you could not swear? Because I want to listen to it with my, my niece. And we're like, talked about it. Yeah, I guess we could try. Five minutes in. Fuck that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we did. It. We tried. It was impossible. Can't do it. Can't do it. All right. All right. Uh, so Zahorn is sent down. Pelche has yet to have a shot. Um, I think uh, Rasichka's really struggled the last two, three games last yeah, year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you do you think you get to see a swap there? Does, does Rasichka come out, Pelche get a shot? Are they going to give Pelche a shot? Well, if you go with the win, like keep the same lineup, that's going to be tough for him to get in. Daryl, knowing Daryl, will probably put him in for the Avs game. And and Tampa. Right. It happens in Tampa because I was just gonna say I'm looking at the schedule. Some tough teams coming up. I I whether he does this by like for real or just he says it, because I haven't really looked at it, but he'll often talk about dressing bigger lineups for against bigger teams. Um he said that, but then he like didn't put Matt Phillips in against the Blue Jackets. So I don't know. Nashville's kind of a bigger team. I don't know if you see him get in against Nashville. I don't know. I, I am. I don't know if we're going to see him yet. My gut says no, but I, I don't know. Daryl always does what you don't expect. But the fact that Rizichka is yeah. been struggling, maybe. Rizichka could use a night off. Definitely. I mean, I know I know most people will say Lucic could use a night off, but Rizichka has been, this has kind of been, you know, Daryl said this many times. The organization has even said this. He's struggled with, you know, being an everyday NHLer, an everyday pro, so. Yeah, which is his big thing on Dubé. But Dubé is, he's much, Dubé, this is the most consistent I've seen Dubé in his entire career. I would love just, to see Pelche get a shot, but. Yeah. Just in even one game. Give him a carrot. Yeah, let's see what this guy looks like. Because I think he is different than a lot of the other prospects. I think he would be probably the closest guy to a Mondrapani type in terms of how, where he could fit in the lineup and work his way up the lineup over the years. Yep. And he's really skilled, and he's got 96 points in 97 American League's games as a, as a young pro. That's really impressive. He's a good player. I And he's a player, I think, because I don't buy this bullshit of like, oh, you can't play a guy on the fourth line. Yeah, you can. Why not? What's the difference? Mangiapane did it, and he was awesome, and he worked his way up. I think that's a perfect place for Pelche to play some games. Play with Lewis and 
whoever else, perfect spot. It's working it out for a, Doer. It is a perfect fucking... Why not? Yeah. I agree. All right, one game left in the road trip. Um, if you can beat Nashville, then uh, this is going to be actually quite a huge, successful road trip. Huge road trip. If you beat Nashville, go 4-0-2 in your last six. Eight out of ten possible points on the road trip. Nashville is hovering there beneath you in the standings. That's why the the second game against St. Louis is fucking huge. Uh-huh. Four point four point game because they either could have tied you in the standings, but then you created a four point separation. Nashville's uh, what seven points behind you, but two games in hand. That's a team you want to keep some distance, right? And you know, dude, crazy in Nashville all the time. And I know maybe Chucky's gone, so the magic is gone. But Well, I don't know. Maybe this will be Hubie's coming out party. Every game I sit there and I wait, and I'm like, please be the night. And again, I've just kind of accepted it that he's not going to have the greatest year. But it's just like every game I'm watching, I'm like, hey, dude, like tonight's the night. Tonight is the night where Jonathan Huberto breaks through the chains and is just like, there he is. There's the guy who we signed to an $84 million deal. I'm just begging for it. I never. He's been better for sure, but man, it would nice to just be see him have just one of those nights where he just goes off. Well, you saw a pretty unbelievable uh, setup for a goal there. Great finish. Well, uh, he's what point per game in his last twelve or something. So there's signs. There's signs of life. Just there's I want signs. him to have the that game or that stretch of games where he's just a dominant hockey player again. See, we got to start stringing some wins together. Just looking at the standings, you got 51 points. You're five back of LA with two games in hand. So essentially, you could close that gap pretty quick if you have a nice week. I mean, we're had we this could be a nice week. It could be in the middle of one. You're five points back of Seattle, but they have two games in hand. You're actually only seven points back of Vegas. They seem so far out of reach, but. String some wins what, together. It's funny what stringing wins can do in the standings. So you got to keep, they got to keep this traction going. You can't afford to keep taking all these steps back when you when you make some progress. Got to keep building. Behind you is Colorado. You know that they're they're going to finish above the line. It's a matter of time. Thank God they're not in our division. You're tied with Edmonton now, but you have a game in hand with them. St. Louis is right there, and then Nashville's right there. I don't I don't think Vancouver unless they go on an absolute heater. Even if they do, they're probably just going to flirt. I think Vancouver might be done. Oh, they're totally done. They're a mess anyways. Have you seen all these clips of JT Miller's horrible back checking? It's embarrassing, dude. No. He's so so bad. All right, so coming up into this schedule, Nashville, Colorado, Tampa. You come home to Colorado, Tampa, CBJ, and Chicago for four games. And you're Mm. you're doing that weird... Fucking Seattle thing where it's back to back. You got to travel to Seattle after Chicago. It's see Johnny so, draw on Monday. So this is Johnny's return. Are you going? I haven't bought tickets. Probably will. We'll see. We'll see Tip- how I'm feeling. Typically, a Monday night against a shit team like Chicago would be easy to find cheap tickets. It might be a little more difficult because there might be some more people wanting to go to, to Rash Johnny. What if you go? What are you going to do? <laughs> You're going to boo, aren't you? No chance. No, no you're chance. Not, you're not going to pull uh, with the with the fans do with Chucky. Well, I Please. never participated in the booing. So wait, they did that. Wait till the uh, 
tribute and then boo afterwards. I could, you I know, couldn't. you know, he's getting booed. If dude, Chucky's, it's gonna be no, it's gonna be dude, insane. Yeah, dude, if Chucky got booed, he's gonna get fucking booed out of town. It's gonna be all night. It's gonna be crazy. But he'll still get a good ovation. Yeah, he will. I don't and, know, man. Like the, the the Chucky comparison to Johnny is different. Yes, the way they left, Johnny did it way worse. Chucky kind of does you a favor, but but Johnny, man, he was the guy that re-kickstarted the franchise. I think there's just so much anger, though. Well, you have much more history with Johnny than you did with Kachuk. If it were up to me, again, if you would ask me before, like, oh, is Johnny going to boo? I'd say no way, but just gauging the temperature of the fan base. And I think it is kind of like a thing people like to go do now. It's like, right? People just like to do it as opposed to, like, actually, they don't, they may not actually feel that way. They just like doing it. And there might be some people on the fence and once they hear other people booing, they'll join in. Yeah, that's kind of what happened with Chucky too, I think. It's kind of like, this is fun, let's boom. Dude, I, if I was going, I, I don't think I would. I still wouldn't do it. I, cu- I couldn't. I couldn't physically boo either of those guys. Are you kidding me? I'll probably cry is what's going to happen. I'm a little bitch, but... <laughs> with your glasses on. I can't see. I can't see, man. I have to wear glasses at the games. Have you ever seen me at a game and I'm wearing glasses? No, I'm not a glasses wearer. I'm not a nerd like that, but I have to wear them to watch hockey. Hey, just because you wear glasses doesn't mean you're a nerd, does it? Mm, I look pretty goofy in them. All right, hopefully we will get some more practice time. Are the Harlem Globetrotters on the town yet? Is is Carrie Underwood playing at the Bridgestone Arena or something? Probably. When is she not playing there? She probably plays every fucking night. Good point. Okay. I think that wraps it up. Um, I just hope that even if you get one point in Nashville, that's a pretty successful road trip coming home to two elite teams. Uh, Colorado's now turning themselves around. The kids back in the lineup. And then you got the dreaded fucking Tampa game. This will be a really solid litmus test. Because I don't know if we've, you haven't had one of these for a while. Where this is a point where you're in the calendar, you look and you say, okay, you got Colorado, Tampa Bay coming up. That's a big litmus, litmus week. And then followed by the two worst teams in the league. So it's a double litmus. Cushion, cushion is a pillow with feathers, right? You know, for everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs, you can kiss my ass.